0: but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for joining us. And as we see the economy take all these twists and turns, I wanted to get Bob Kudla from Trade Genius back on the air. Uh, you guys really were complimentary the information that he put out a few weeks ago when we last had him on and certainly things are uh in some cases going from bad to worse but there's always a silver lining and we're going to hit some of those silver linings to your benefit and gentlemen so here let me adjust equipment right here we should be we should be good to go okay all right anyway um just love the technical stuff, but Bob, welcome to the show. Glad you could join us, and um, I, I'm I'm getting tons of information on the economy, and most of it's negative. Uh, and and I, I think you think we're probably pretty close to having a recession formally declared.
1: Uh, yeah, um, just so people know to. My view on a recession you and I are probably similar is is if growth rate is below the inflation rate we're contracting. you know even though the numbers might be higher, it's kind of false information but you know the information that we're starting to see this week is that they're going to probably officially announce October as the official start of the recession because they look at an unemployment rate if people are unemployed for X amount of period of time and that rises by 15% then that's an official, you uh, know, officially a recession um, signal, and it's at 28%. Really, what I'm saying is that people are getting unemployed and they're not getting rehired. And and that's kind of scary because, um, you know, the cost of living is is not going down. People are, are up against the wall, and I think things can get really mo-fugly here um, going into next year because, you know, people are going to get increasingly angry.
0: Yeah, that's interesting you'd say that. I just did a YouTube yesterday on the increasing aggression angers in the general population. Yeah, because the times are so uncertain. The people are volatile as much as the economy. Um, But there's always silver linings, but we'll get to those in a little while. But I, I wanted to bring up a couple of things here that has happened. Moody's did a tremendous downgrade of the U.S., and they attached even a negative term to it. They called our credit rating negative
1: yeah, so, um, you know, it's, these are kind of weird things because, you know, the, the United States can't go bankrupt, okay, uh, just because we're the reserve currency and we, we, we initiate debt in our own dollars. That doesn't mean bad things can happen. So the Moody's thing is really kind of a – it's more like a, you know, a scold, if you will. And what it does, though, is that it, it will cause interest rates to rise, Mm-hmm. And and our view on this is that we think there's a war going on between Janet Yellen at Treasury and Jerome Powell at the Fed. So Janet Yellen has been playing this game where she's been borrowing money, really what's called short end of the of the yield curve, and, they, and they're called T bills. When you do T bills, is uh, it still allows a lot of speculation in the markets, you know? And uh, but the. Um, the Federal Reserve wants to have a positive um, – they want to have a positive what's called yield curve so that the banks can get liquefied. But she's causing a lot of grief there because the more these T-bills she she tries to sell, the higher – the short end of the curve gets, and it's called the, an inverted yield curve. Yes, yes. yes. And so she's – basically what she's doing is she's she's being a grasshopper. She's eating for today instead of being an ant and and saving for tomorrow. And even Druckenmiller said, called her, basically called her an idiot because we could have, uh, we could have locked in 30 year rates at 2%, 2.5% and, and kind of pushed their way through the baby boom bubble, if you will. But she didn't do that. They just kept everything really, really short, really, really short. Cause what she was trying to do, that money goes back into the stock market. So they're creating, they're creating this feedback loop of, of, of everything's great, look at the stock market kind of a thing. And now we're in a situation where she's basically a gambler and interest rates are going higher and it's causing us grief. Well, I think Jerome Popeye whispered in Moody's ear saying, hey, we got to get people's attention on this debt. And and then, you know, he's going to uh, continue with his QT and he may even raise rates one more time in December. I mean, so we have a war going on here. It's a big problem. Because obviously, the Treasury wants to get reelected. And Jerome Powell has a different mandate in terms of protecting the banking system. And, you know, liberals don't care about that stuff. All they care about is their power. And so they don't care if everything blows up over there, because then they could say, hey, we need to even take even more control over the situation. Absolutely. And then you end yeah. up like a Venezuelan kind of a situation.
0: Well, yeah, we don't want to end up there. Um with regard to the inverted yield curve just for the audience's edification, um we're, we're looking at um, long-term interest rates are higher than short-term.
1: The other way around. So, I mean, so, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Right. I know what you mean. yeah, short-term interest rates are higher than long-term. That's and as right, and as that settles back to flat, that that's another indication of going into recession and mm-hmm. um they can't really raise rates anymore. If Paul does it, he's doing it because he's trying to prick, you know, prick the balloon here. And uh, but we don't really know where this will go because everybody's so levered right now across the board um, that uh, you, 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 you don't know, you know, when you pull the last Jenga thing out, the whole thing comes down.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you have to wonder how far this is going to go. I mean, l- let me just give you one thing that we didn't talk about in our pre-air that concerns me. Uh, Biden ordered forty-five billion dollars to be used for vacant commercial real estate transition into livable spaces in home real estate, and and that concerns me on a number of fronts. What do you make of that?
1: Well, they're trying to. Um, number one is they're trying to you know keep the banking system from from collapsing. So if somebody's getting paid off, so that those those properties aren't aren't basically worthless, you know. uh, the other thing too is that they they send all these illegals into these cities and they need a place to put them. Oh, uh-huh. that's right, you know? right too. Yeah. So, um, so you know, so they have, um, so they have. That's that's kind of the twofer there. They they just don't know where to put these people. The problem is, is that these properties, the way they're built, they it, it's very difficult to convert these into um, into residential properties. So it's going to be um, whatever they do. Most of these properties are going to be a hack job. But you know, it's it's basically you know it, it, they have a tin cup trying to bail out the Titanic at this point because commercial real estate is literally collapsing across the board. I mean, in San Francisco, I think I think they're at thirty three percent vacancy rate now, which is just those are depression levels, and so and and they're the kind of tip of the iceberg. So you know, WeWork just went bankrupt. They had I want to say the six or the 16 towers that they've rented out that just walking away from their leases in, you know, downtown, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, you know, Queens area gone, you know, these, these people are not getting any money. When you declare bankruptcy, they just walked away from the, just walked away from their leases. So um, yeah, so it's going to get, it's going to get worse and worse, but that's, that's what they're trying to do. And, you know, in the scheme of things, I mean, 45 billion sounds like a lot of money, but you spread it across the whole country Remember, when you build one of these buildings, they're a billion dollars, right? So trying to convert them, what are you going to do? Convert like 90 buildings? You know, it's hardly a a drop in the order.
0: Well, I noticed a trend with the distribution of the resources as it was announced. It was very general, but I got the sense they were just giving the money to blue cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, nothing for red cities. That's how I saw it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, and um, hopefully this next you know, um, budget won't won't have as much slush fund money in it, you know, because they they build all these slush funds into these into these budgets. So, we'll we'll just see how it um see how it plays out. But that's why they're doing what they're doing. But it's not going to be enough. And you know, look, you're talking two to three years before they can convert these um uh, convert these properties. They, these are not easy things to do.
0: Yeah, they put all these um, climate change restrictions on the properties, too, I noticed. They weren't real specific in the press release from the White House, but it did say they had to be climate friendly. Well, that's expensive, and and that'll drive the price up, yeah. And if you're trying to create cheap housing, I don't know why they're adding expense to it. But anyway, that's another deal. The other thing I wanted to ask you about um, that's not really on the list, but it's in the news again now the possibility of a government shutdown. And with Mike Johnson being uh, the uh, Speaker of the House and not Kevin McCarthy, I think this is a real possibility. I think the tie-up is going to be Israeli military funding versus Ukraine military funding. I think that's going to be a big issue. But what happens if we do have a government shutdown? What will happen to the economy?
1: Yeah, so when you have a shutdown of the government, uh, mandate it. Any, look, basically, what it what it means is that, uh, uh, that it's it's that, really a really a, a number one, it's a borrowing thing; you can't borrow. And number two is that only mandated programs can be um, continued. So, Social Security, Medicare, Defense Department security arrangements, everything else gets um, everything else gets shut off. You know, so um, so so it'll slow the economy down short term. But it's more of a it's more of a political nightmare, but it's for people that have um, everybody gets furloughed by the way. So you know, the IRS gets shut down, the human resource you know, HHS gets shut down, you know, just things that have to run run. Everything else gets shut down.
0: There's a silver lining in every
1: cloud. Yeah. Remember, (laughs) they usually shut the national parks down and this, you know, that kind of crap. They'll close the mall. You know, they do petty stuff like that.
0: Yeah, they want to make it uncomfortable so people put pressure yeah, no, on to get it through. I, agree. I yeah, agree. No passports, no visas, that kind of stuff. Well, it have a general effect on the economy, though, people's day-to-day life.
1: No, not really. In fact, we won't miss it at all. It's just that people that are heavily dependent on government programs may be uh, inconvenienced, but I don't think it'll be a very long one. Uh, Mike Johnson also, he he dangled out a... You know, continuing resolution with some with some strings. So, that, yeah. So we'll see um, where that goes. But typically, these don't these don't have long term effects. It's just depending on how they're positioned and the narratives created. These are really more like political grandstanding.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they're playing politics for the election. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you said something to me before we went on that I hadn't heard. And that has to do with FedEx drivers. Tell the audience about that.
1: It's actually FedEx pilots. Um, oh, they, pilots. Um, okay, pilots. Yeah, the pilots were told um, these are contract pilots. They usually pick up for the holidays, you know, because uh, you, you know you get a peak season. And they said basically just uh, you know get work with the uh, the regional airlines because we're not going to have enough uh, we're not going to have enough routes for you. And I don't know if you noticed too, American Airlines just basically abandoned. Austin as a uh, as a hub, and they're not the only ones. You know, we also talked about mairsk laid off ten thousand people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Christmas is going to be pretty bleak. You know, this stuff should have already been in the country, and um, but Maersk laid off ten thousand people. That means that the shipping is is way down. Only thing really moving right now that you can make money on shipping is is anything energy related. So all the, all the c- container companies are, are hurting for certain. We're, we're laying off truck, trucking comp- truckers left and right. Trucking companies are going bankrupt left and right in this country. So it's a big problem.
0: Yeah, that, that, let's get into that because I've, I've, I've looked at that. I know diesel, uh, rising diesel prices could be a real problem because I've had truckers tell me they won't run if it's between six and seven dollars a gallon because they can't make money. But, um, what does this mean for trucking in general? Is this a general trend we're going to continue to see or is it dependent just on diesel prices? How do you see this?
1: There's just not enough loads. So, um, like and, yeah, so it's just going to be, uh, we're just, it's general malaise. You know, so the recession, in my view, is that, you know, Maersk is the oldest shipping line in the in the world. And they're largest, I think. Uh, you know, and if they're laid off that many people, there's a the problem. And so that's the front end of the sword. The unemployment rates, the low is the back end. The front end is, is, is shipping. So if you're not shipping stuff, that means people aren't buying stuff. And it just floats its way through. And on the services side, you know, we're ending up in a bifurcated environment. You know, things that you have to have, you're going to spend money on. Things you want to have, nobody's buying. And so we talked about this before. So if you're in an industry that is in what's called a non-essential services environment, you, you might be in big trouble here next year because nobody's going to be buying your stuff.
0: By non-essential, do you mean things like, uh, uh, oh, essential would be like medicines and food, and right? But non- what would non-essential be? Uh, travel,
1: massages, kids' clubs, camps. You know, you go up to a mall and you walk through the mall and you say, "Uh, uh-huh. okay. Well, I'm not going to get LASIK. Uh, I'm not going to maybe I not get braces. I'm not going to get teeth whitening. I may not get
0: liposuction. I may not
1: get massages."
0: For example, they've got half off my pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Uh, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to mypillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. Mypillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges.
1: Oh, uh, I can't go to the nail place, you know. Uh, my daughter's a stylist. I may push off an extra week before I go to back to just get my hair done. You know, all that kind of stuff. Travel. uh, You're already starting to see it. Airbnb starting to deflate. Um, You know, so people aren't going to travel as much because they can't. It's very expensive. So those are the kind of things you, uh, you know, you look at. And then, uh, you know, hey, I was going to remodel my house. I'm not going to remodel my house now. I can wait. Or I'm going to. Maybe just paint it versus tearing it out, putting a new bathroom in, stuff like that. And it just be, and you have to remember, you know, 70% of the economy is services, right? And probably 70% of that is is non-essential services, just things you want to do versus things, going out to eat. Okay, that's that's a that's a non-essential service. Okay. And so you're just gonna see all that, all that collapse.
0: Well, there's a related figure I report on a lot. 65% of American families are living paycheck to paycheck. So there, and in fact, 82% of those have dipped into their savings for essential services. So we're, we're really in trouble. So what's, I want to come back to some of these other things, but I want to take kind of a halftime here and I don't want people to get out the hankies yet. Let's give them a little hope. Um What are is there any silver lining here amidst all this negative news?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, depending on what you mean by silver lining, so if you uh if you have cash and uh you can get five percent on your money and without any uh volatility risk, right? Because uh the T bills are are trading at 90 day monies at five percent plus. So that's number one. You know, number two is when the recession happens, you can ship more into the bond portfolios. And you're going to make money um, on on stock like TLT because it, um, it, it rises in principal value at the same time you're collecting a dividend. And there's some really interesting things happening. You know, people don't realize the United States is the largest producer of oil in the world. We're the largest energy producer in the world. We're the largest user of nuclear power in the world. Okay. I think we're the second or third largest producer of coal in the world. And we're the largest exporter of natural gas in the world. All those things are going to make money, okay, because in the United States, all those energy components are cheaper here than they are in Asia and Europe, and those are essentials. And so we've been actually exporting liquefied natural gas. And I was telling you on the show here because you're talking about, hey, the Panama Canal is having big problems. Well, part of it's because of the economy, but the other part of it is they're having a major drought there. Well, you know, we had a stock that we, we've been watching. We bought it at 19. We closed it at 38 uh, called LPG Dorian. They ship liquefied petroleum. Okay, they, they can get their boats through. They're raising their, their, their prices. And that's a long-term play. So that thing doubled in less than a year, and they still pay a dollar dividend. They're, they're at 37. I let it come back to 35. I bought it again, and, and it pays a dollar dividend every quarter. So it's a four dollar stock for thirty-five dollar stock, it's eleven percent dividend yield. So there's a couple of those kind of plays out there. Liquefied natural gas, FLNG, which is a shipper of liquefied natural gas. Mm-hmm. Another one pays a huge dividend, paying ninety pays eighty nine cent dividend, paying at the end of the month. Again, this stock's a thirty dollar stock that's basically paying four dollars dividend a year. You know, these are double digit dividends in an environment that's a recession because you have to have it. So those are the silver linings we do, and as you know, Dave, we have an algorithm that just tells us what to buy and sell.
0: So we yeah, it, it trade genius. You have an algorithm that uh, that picks up things like LPG, Dorian.
1: Yeah, so we don't really. I hate to use the word we don't really care, but we really don't care. So all we do is we just look for the you know our indicators to tell us that it's time to buy. And what we've done is we've had multiple algorithms and we com- combined them into a. A, a, a new and improved one that's actually it's it's a super algorithm because we combine dollars together and we have created the uh, signals within it to tell us whether or not it's a high probability trade. It's called the Trade Force Indicator. You know we call it, we call it the worm. So when you see the worm, you buy. When the worm goes away, you sell. And it's just been killer, and we've really really enjoyed it. If, if you know when somebody says I don't know how to trade, I'm like, well, just follow the worm. As the worm turns you know we like to say so so you see that you know you, you take a look at it and it just sets your trades up. we teach you how to use it. we give you access to it no matter what level of service you buy you get access to the trade force indicator. really cool. So we combine all our algorithms into one major one and we, we wrote some some specific code around it and it has really high probabilities of success. And so you just have to simply wait. It keeps people making the mistake of "Am I missing out on the trade?" and buying something that's not going to go up. Or if you're not paying attention, you can set an alert on it, and it'll just tell you when it's when it's time to buy again. So, and Dave, so I added that to the Black Friday specials for us.
0: Okay, you know, so Trade Genius, I just want to encapsulate this for the audience here because, with the midst of all this negative information, there's still good opportunities within the volatility and you've developed these algorithms correct is that right are these bob kudla algorithms
1: yeah yeah we own them they're, they're trade genius algorithms and um mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so we own them and you get access to them as long as you're a client of ours and um and they're really good and what we charge for service is nothing what you get out of it and black friday is is now it's time best pricing of the year you basically you essentially have two weeks to uh to steal, steal a year's worth of service from us at a really great price. And Dave, uh, just go to Dave Loves Trading and put them onto you, into your room for you.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, we've had a long-term relationship. And the reason I like to do business with you is I get rave reviews from people when they come over. Um, let, let's talk about things like um, how you've done historically on trading. Uh, can, can we give some historical figures so people have an idea that how good this yeah. algorithm is?
1: Yeah, so let me let me pull it up as of today. Bear with me one second. Gotta find out where I put it. Uh here we go. So as of today, we're at sixty-six point four one percent win rate. Wow. Um our annualized gain is eighty-two point eight percent. And our average hold period is three days. And we've just had a really nice run of of trades here. And um and we're positioned now for
0: the for the end of the year with some good 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 trade setups. Three days for holding is really short, isn't it? Well, what, and this compared is about, to the market, compared to the market,
1: yeah, yeah. I think well, you know, there's there's three kinds of traders out there. There's day traders, there's swing traders, and there's investors, right? So we're we're on the shorter end of the swing trade just because of the environment, the algorithms that are out there today aren't allowing you to have these. You know, okay, you know, occasionally you get a move like. Like Nvidia, where it just goes to the moon, but most stocks most stocks are down seventeen eighteen percent for the year, so you you have to you have to be you know the term we like to use you know you have to be like a seagull right you know you got let the um you gotta let the big fish bring up the bait fish, and then you you go ahead and you attack it, yeah, you can't stick around so uh you have to understand if you know if you make one percent a week on your money, you're making fifty percent a year, Dave. Okay, so you don't have to stick around very long. And if you're winning more than you're losing and you're winning more money than you lose when you lose money, you know, your your portfolio grows. And that's how our system works. And it's been it's been very consistent. In fact, we've moved up from 63, 64 to 66 percent. And that's saying something because we're looking at hundreds and hundreds of trades. So um, it's harder and harder to move the needle. But we've been we've been grinding up higher and higher over time our, our systems are are getting better. And so and this is an environment look this whole last year the market's down, okay? You know, if you look at what's called equal weighted stocks, they're down 14-18% just because the top 7 stocks are up. Most people don't just own the top 7. They own everything. If you ask look at everybody's portfolio around the country, people's portfolios are down. You know, I have family members having their money professionally managed and they're down for the year. Well, we're up for the year because they they have a broad based, you know, allocation of stocks. And a lot of stocks are 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 not doing well. And if you own a company that's not cash flow positive, in the next eighteen months they're gonna be out of business or they're gonna to have to severely dilute the value of their shares to gain cash to try to maintain a survival mode. So that's yeah. kind of where we are. So I really don't care. You know, uh, you get in a trade, you stay in three average of three days. Uh, some days are one day, some days are seven. And you um, trade and you move on. And so that's all we do. So I really don't care. I don't look out months and months. I look at macro. I, I want to know where we are. But, you know, today, if a trade pops up for me to buy, I'm going to buy it. Not be out of it by, you know, Thursday, Friday, most cases.
0: Well, you know, I've been approached by other people who do something similar to what you do and I've turned them down and I'll tell you why uh, they brag to me that their win rate is 48%, 52%. I mean, I've heard these stats and I'm saying, okay, that's not bad, but, but you know, you're breaking even, but you, 66%, you're winning two to one. That's the one thing that I think people need to see here is these opportunities there. Is it true? I learned this in history class when I was in college that more millionaires were created in the volatility of the depression than before the depression or after the depression.
1: Yeah, they, they didn't they didn't make their millions in the Great Depression. They they started their businesses in the Great Depression, and they they basically were the
0: phoenix that right, rose out of the ashes. Okay, all right. Because uh, to me, what that says though is there's that silver lining within this very big gray cloud that's overtaken America. So people can still profit and do it legitimately. I think that's really good. I want to, I want to go to something else though, that I think could have a real dramatic effect on our um, economy is go back to, you talked about LPG Dorian getting through the Panama Canal and it's a great deal for you and you get a 55% return in six months. But I'm talking to people on the ground in Panama in general. The people aren't working. The nation's on strike. They've had the roads closed. The military's had to reopen them. The people are really pissed because the Chinese seem to be taking over everything there. It's like a mini Belt and Road going on with the mines and the mining that's happening there. And I'm worried that even though there's winning trades for Trade Genius, the overall effect for America with 40% of our imports coming through the canal could be really bad. Are you concerned? And how long would it take for this to show up if you're concerned?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm not overly concerned because, you know, we're doing a massive reassuring right now of, of our industries in the country. So um, in China, as you know, um, and look, I've been proven correct here. China is a, um, the paper tiger and, and in China uh, they're in big trouble over there. So uh, we've shifted a lot of manufacturing from China to Vietnam to India right. to Malaysia and 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 so on and so forth. And right now, um, if you notice China's foreign investment went negative. So more money's leaving the country than coming into the country. So they're they're really hurting. And you know, Xi is is took a really hard line stance here with how he sees China vis-a-vis the rest of the world. And so I would imagine that there's going to be some internal strife in China, and if we load off some sort of, they uh, they they bought a lot of food, and they bought a lot of energy in storage because they're expecting bad things in the next two years there. So I'm less worried about China doing anything. Every China investment they've made around the world is, is, is being defaulted upon. Uh, I'm more I'm more concerned about just. The general feeling of hopelessness people have, and that tends to create, you know, extremist governments around the world. And one of the things that I do when I'm when I'm investing and not trading is I like to buy companies that have uh, English as their um, as their primary language. So, you know, I want to own things in the United States, in Canada, Australia. New Zealand is not even a player. Uh, United Kingdom, Israel, you know, those are where you want to, where you want to own because you have a consistency in terms of the rule of law, patent enforcement, property rights, and things of that nature. And, and all high tech comes from those countries. You know, um, China is a follower, not a leader. And, um, you know, Taiwan and Japan have some good products, but they tend to not be public companies. So, um, so that's kind of how I look at it. And, and, um, and, you know, eventually what's going to happen here is they're not going to, they're not going to allow another great depression. So they're, they're going to create an environment like what happened in the forties or seventies, where they rather deal with inflation than deal with a deflationary collapse because you can't really control a deflationary collapse. It's, It's, it's very disorderly quicker than a inflationary, um, what do you call it a weimar kind of a thing so you know the weimar thing unwound over you know six or seven years the great depression happened in three or four months so you know so you have so they're going to opt for inflation the best they can and what they're going to try to do is and i don't totally disagree with the policy is they're going to resure as much as they can they're going to create a a um you know uh you know, an Insta pot environment where you, you 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 keep the velocity inside the country so you can generate tax revenue to pay for the, the, um, the deficits. And then you create a higher than normal inflation. And from there, there's some really good trades there for us, too. So that's my expectation. They may get a sniff of deflation here, get people nervous, and then they're just going to turn on the floodgates. But they're also going to block a lot of cross-border trading. And and uh, try to push more back in the United States.
0: You really think we're going to see that um, companies maybe leaving China and the Far East to come back to America?
1: It already, it's already begun.
0: Really? It's already begun.
1: Yeah. Wow. So you're going to see you're going to see an acceleration, especially if
0: G does something stupid. You know, we're more stupid than what he has been it's doing. It's only a matter of time with him. I mean, look, he's already got rid of his defense minister. He got rid of two generals, some cabinet officials on top of that. I mean, there's already internal strife in there. And I'm hearing that in the eastern part of China, um, he's having a hard time controlling the people.
1: Yeah. So and also his foreign minister, quote unquote, died of a heart attack. So um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, the western provinces aren't are 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 Muslim. And and uh, you know and if he starts losing control of the Western you know areas, there are a lot of lot of uh, commodities are there. But you know, there's a north south divided China too, and so you know um, basically it was called the rice belt versus the wheat belt in Ch- in China, and and so those are different mindsets down there. You know, sh- the reason why Shanghai became extremely entrepreneurial, Beijing's more conservative. You know, so, um, so you know, it's not a monolith over there. He's been rapidly trying to kill off his his competitors. But there's a Xi Ping versus, uh, I forget the other, Peng, I think, is the other guy. So those are the two big factions. You know, there's mandarins in that country. You know, Ji has to contend with the people behind the scenes, too. You know, he can't start killing everybody off. Because remember, these people are all, these are family dynasties. You know, at some point... At some point, uh, you know, generals will rise up, or they'll just split the country. So it's going to be really interesting. Remember, all the water comes from the south to the north, okay? Because it's it's very it's you know the north is drier than the south. So there's a lot of there's a lot of games that can be played over there. It's just that it's unlike our country. You know, we have our issues, right? We have the urban elites, and we have the flyover country. But but people moved around so much in this country that it's, it's, it, we're a little bit more homogenized, you know? Um, So, you know, and plus it's harder to control this country because you can do all the games you want to play, but you got to get the food from the center to the edges, you know, and at some point the center is going to not let stuff get to the edges. So uh, it's going to be, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a different problem than, than China. uh, But, but China is going to go
0: down first. When you say the food has to get from the center <clears throat> to the edges, are you foreseeing a food food distribution problem and a growing problem that'll lead to some level of famine?
1: Well, in our country, not only really no much famine, but you know, look, you know, in California, right? You know, the, the Central Valley produces a bunch of food, right? What has to go through passes to get to, to LA, right? You know, uh, and so you, you know, you can envision problems like that you know if you want to if people wanted to cause issues in the country stuff has to get on rail from california all the way to chicago
0: right you know
1: how hard is it for people to tear up railroad tracks right or to put cars in front of them or derail them i mean you, know, you could just i you know the imagination can can simply run wild here in terms of being able to cause disruption so you know they've been very fortunate in this country that you know the what I would call the right of center people have not done what they always accuse them of doing, right? It's the left that's been going crazy. But if they do push the right people in, you know, in the, in the middle of the country to a point where they have no hope, well, the left will starve because we're all stuck in cities,
0: you know? That's an interesting thought. I hadn't even considered that, but you're right where the food is grown and where the elites live you're you're exactly right what about terrorism though i mean there's a lot of i mean the fbi has issued a warning now to several cities to watch out for terrorists that we've let walk across our unguarded border uh what what do you see going on there and how will that impact our economy
1: um you know unless it's unless it's nuclear related or if it's um, like a mass casualty like a chemical attack or mm-hmm. biological attack it won't have any impact whatsoever because we're too big, you know, it'd just be annoyance. But if it's one of those things where like somebody poisons the drinking water in LA and, you know, a hundred thousand people die, well then, yeah, we'll be in big trouble. So I'm not sure what, you know, comes across. I, you know, Iran concerns me because they're, you know, the, the, the you know, the people, the adherents to the, to the Shia religion, you know, firmly believe that the 12th Mahdi is the one that's going to usher in the, uh, you know the, uh, the the end of the world, if you will. Yes. And so um, they would love to hasten the end of the world so the twelfth Mahdi would come. So you know they're they're not rational actors like Saudi Arabia. You know um, the Sunnis are they're practical people. Okay. Russia is a practical dictator. Xi Jinping, practical dictator. They actually want a world to run. Okay. Hardcore Shia don't really want a world to run; they want a new world to come, and and um, and you know, and that's what you can't negotiate with. That you have to uh, right, you have to eliminate it, and so that's a big problem. And um, but I think we're,
0: Bob, I think we're lucky though. I, I think a lot of the Muslims aren't into the hardcore stuff. I know, for example, I've looked into Iran, and and the Iranian people hate their government, and they're only going to follow that government so far.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what they're hoping to do. I look, I live out here in California, where I think there's a million people from Persia. They hate that. They hate the regime. Mm -hmm. But look, I mean, look what just happened. You know, Israel is banging on Hamas really hard here. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, UAE, and Jordan voted against boycotting Israel and cutting ties. So you know, because they 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 fear the Shia regime. Sure. Okay. So they're you know the play is hopefully you get enough. I have construction going on. I'm sorry. Hopefully, you get enough um, people in that country and de- make it destable enough that they kill take those people out. You know before something really happens. But um, but yeah, so that's the big problem, you know, in the world. But it's, it's just, it, but it's kind of like everywhere now. People, you know, in this country here, people have lost hope. You know, in China, they call it the they, they, first. I they called it the lay down. Now they call it the get out. Right the young people in that country have quit on communism they just quit and i always told people the opposite of love is in hate the opposite of love is indifference yes and and so and that's what's happening here too people are indifferent like i have a 22 year old daughter has a great job she just moved out she's doing everything but she she hates our government she doesn't consider herself a democrat or republican she just hates that this entity has such control over her day-to-day life you
0: well, know i think that's a pretty universal feeling and i think it's well deserved
1: yeah but the thing is they they, they fight differently than you and i did right? we shifted. We we're the ron reagan republicans right mm-hmm. she, she's like i'm not even voting i don't care i don't do anything you know she gets pulled over she tells the cop don't you have better things to do literally don't you have better things to do than to bother me <laughs> a quote you know, so that's how these people feel about authority. You know, just stay away from me. Leave me alone. You're not helping me at all. In fact, you make making my life harder. And and so, you know, it's very interesting because I think the way that Democrats and Republicans are fighting, they're totally not reading the room at all.
0: Well, I, you know, I look at we have more of a uniparty problem than we have a Democrat-Republican problem. That's how I... I'm beginning to, I mean, I'll give you an example in Arizona, and this also happened in the Senate with Mitch McConnell, Ron McDaniel, the head of the RNC, where funding was pulled from what they perceived to be America First candidates. And eight senators were affected by that in 2022. And in Arizona, Carrie Lake was discriminated against by hardcore GOP that are really uniparty people. and, and But, you know, I think what's going to happen with these young people, Bob, if it goes on long enough, this apathy, if they can't run from it, it's going to turn to anger, and that's where we're going to really have problems.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. I, I think when unemployment becomes a lot more um, yeah. prevalent, then I think the anger comes. Look, we just imported 5 million people in this country that have no skills. And I'm not upset about them, but we brought the wrong people into the country, and what are they going to do? They're going to take services away from poor people. They're going to take jobs away from poor people, and then automation is taking jobs away from people. And then you have in the cities you can't you don't have freedom of purchase anymore. Everything's a big vending machine. You go into CVS and in some of these urban cities you're going into like a an eighty thousand square foot vending machine. You're paying for the stuff for it. It comes out of that plexiglass. You, you, you know what I'm saying?
0: I know. And you're also paying for the random theft that's going on in blue cities. It's not prosecuted. I, yeah. I, I hear I hear what you're saying. Um, but uh, listen, the people that have come into our country and I'm not talking terrorists or criminals, cause there certainly are those, but most of the people that come here, they just want the American life, but you know what? It's going to take a generation for this problem to fix itself. That's how I see it. And I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah, if we have yeah. a generation.
1: No, I agree. I, you know, I'm not that pessimistic, but we, we definitely, I think are going to go through a two year realignment and, um, uh, you know, things aren't going to get better really, Dave, until, um, I think it's 10 years from now, maybe 12, where
0: there's less
1: baby boomers than, there, than before.
0: Well, the baby boomers have caused a lot of the uh, economic problems we have just because of sheer numbers. Social security drain and, you know, all the drain that's there. It's because this is the largest group retiring. And this puts pressure on the people behind us to pay for us to come through this.
1: Yeah, I blame the politicians because they knew about this problem thirty years ago. Oh yeah, they they could they could adjust it everything back then, you know. But that's not politics. Politicians aren't known for their foresight; they're experts at hindsight.
0: Well, they're experts at the next election and how to get elected, and to hell with the long term. I agree. Okay, but with with all this negativity that we have, and there there are some things I think that we're going to recover from, but. Uh I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about the war and then I want to turn back to opportunities in our country. Um I don't see Russia or China being able to come into the Middle East conflict unless they use ICBMs. I don't think they can maintain it militarily. What do you think?
1: Yeah, they don't have they don't have the um uh the logistical, you know, support to uh to do that. Yeah, and you know it's interesting, yeah. The only way Russia's coming in is through Ezekiel thirty-eight, and it'll be a demise to them. So um, I think they're going to support behind the scenes. China can't do anything, you know. I think that, you know they have eighteen warships that can make it across. You know, by the time they get there, you know, every ship would be sunk if they're going to come. They're going to come try to do something. So it's really everybody's pushing behind Iran, and um, and look, you know, I don't think Israel. You know, it was sad that this happened to their people because I think if you look at it, uh, at some point they had to get rid of Hamas, and this presented a perfect opportunity to do so. And they're going to get rid of because look, they five more years from now, Iran got nuclear weapons, okay, and Iran um, got nuclear weapons, and Hamas gets you know a stronger rockets. I mean, Israel could be in a situation where it's ex. ex you know, existential threat to right their existence is threatened. If I could say work the correct way, and they may have to do strategic bombing, and then, then you're looking at hundreds of thousands of people dead. So you know, this is a war that I, unfortunately it looks like it had to be fought, and uh, but we don't know the outcome from this because you know a, a lot of countries where they they imported a lot of people from that part of the world are trying to be politically active and also being. Like in New York City tearing down American flags, you know uh, beating up on on people in I've London that, it yeah. took over the city so this is this is a very interesting environment. I don't know if it calms down um, I think it will only because the um, once once this thing is laid waste in Gaza, if you notice Hezbollah uh, I think they saw what they did in Gaza and said um, Israel's not screwing around this time because they literally will. They literally will lay waste to Lebanon. Okay, uh, they have the ability to strategically destroy the country, and and uh, and they were already told Iran and and Syria, our first rockets are going to Damascus and Tehran, not Beirut. So everybody backed off, and I think that's why he's been so aggressive in Gaza, just to show them the resolve. Now. I don't care what side of the fight you're on. I'm only speaking to what I see. And from a practical you know, point of view, um, that's why it's, they're doing what they're doing. It, it's hard for me to believe that their intelligence didn't know this was coming. I agree. You know, but we're past that now. And, um, and, and so here we are in the middle of it all. And you notice it's not affecting oil yet because the Saudis behind the scenes are cheering. Okay. Because they, they fear Iran you know, desperately, the Gulf states fear Iran. You know, people don't realize Eastern Saudi Arabia is a higher Shia population than Sunni population, okay? And we're all the oils in Eastern Saudi Arabia. So, you know, so there's a lot of things, you know, what you see is not always what you get. And that's why I always tell people, and and people, you know, on Twitter and all these other places are so simplistic, you know, people just need to dig under the covers a little bit, listen more to your show. Can understand really what's really happening behind the scenes
0: yeah the, I, I agree with you about saudi arabia totally um they're a better ally to the united states than biden is trying to let them be and i think biden's just counterproductive in this whole thing um we'd be better off if he just shut up and just supplied israel with the military hardware they need and go away
1: well he has a problem obama and valerie jallet are uh iranian um i know, I know. so I know. yeah I know. it's just you know He's just lucky that he has a bunch of Jewish people in his cabinet, and then the Congress is pro-Saudi, not pro-Iran, where he wouldn't have done anything.
0: You know, if there's a positive thing that can come out of this, though, I'm hoping at some point in time this will allow the opportunity for the Iranian people to rise up and overtake their government. Because once and for all, because the Iranian people, I think, are good people. I mean, I've got a lot of interaction. They don't like what's going on. A lot of them like to come here and live because they appreciate what we have. And I just would like to see them overthrow that government. You know, Bob, I remember when we had a soccer team after 9-11 play in Iran, and it was against the government wishes. But they went ahead and had a memorial and a moment of remembrance 9-11 9 11 before they played the soccer game, and I just said those are good people. Those are people that care about humanity, and that's why I don't like to categorize Iran as all being evil. They're not. Their government's evil is evil as hell. Um, And do you think that Netanyahu is going to be able to dislodge that government? Because I don't think he'll be safe until they do. I'm not sure.
1: We'll, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, um, when when the war broke out, uh, there was a there was a soccer match in Tehran, internal one. And um, and some Hamas sympathizers planted the Palestinian flag in the middle of the pitch. And the whole stadium was basically F Hamas, F Hamas, F Hamas. So, you know, there's no love there between these people, and, and especially they know the regime. And that was their way of being able to tell the regime how much they hate them without really telling the regime how much they hate them. But look, I think, look, most totalitarian states die of their own weight, I and, I, and I think that'll happen there too. And look, if Iran pushes too hard, they're just going to lose their ability to export
0: oil, and then they have nothing. And that affects Russia. So because of the BRICS concept, um, yeah, well, well, Russia would love it
1: because Russian Saudi Arabia oil would go through the roof. So, so yeah, so you know, just like was a den of thieves, right? You know, they don't they don't all have they're not they're not all pulling on the same boat you know if if iran goes under price of oil skyrockets right guess who wins united states saudi arabia and russia <laughs> so you know it's not like it's not like you know hey uh, i i got you brother you know it's more like i only got you so far i hear you, know? you and uh yeah so it's it's these things are interesting to me that's why i'm so glad i live in the united states
0: yeah I like that yeah me too although Yeah, we need some much-needed reform uh, on who's running things. But anyway, that aside, I do agree with you. Fundamentally, this is a great place to be. I want to go back to opportunities for our audience because in the midst of all this chaos that we're experiencing, this malice, cultural revolution, all the other stuff we're going through, um, there's still light at the end of the tunnel for people that want to dig and find it. And I think your company is one of the shining lights in that. So let's close with telling people how they can find out more and how they can be involved in something that's going to put extra money in their pocket.
1: Yeah. Go to Dave loves trading. That's the site we set up for you. Uh, get the, get the black Friday specials. You can trade stocks. You can trade crypto. You can trade um, futures options with us, join our VIP room. And if you just happen to go to trade like a genius.com and you buy anything, in the room, make sure you tell him you came from this show. So you get the best discount and also that we could support Dave's uh, efforts here by having me on. And well, you look, you only have a couple weeks to take advantage of these specials. These are the best prices of the year. And um, you know, people that are, are subscribers already, this is when you want to renew, you know, take advantage of, of, um, of, of the great pricing. We've done this every year since we've been in existence and people seem to like the pricing. It's really good pricing. And uh, like I said, what you get out of the trade, uh, what you get out of the, uh, you'll make more money trading than you will paying for the service. So, uh, well, yeah, by
0: far, I get that, too. From people that have come from my show to what you do at Trade Genius, that's exactly what they say. It may almost no time to make up that money before they're making money and they're doing really well. Listen, people, this is better than uh, second income because you can it's more money and you're going to basically set your own hours. Uh, Bob, it's a great service you provide, but I appreciate you coming on too and sharing your background and expertise on what's going on in the world economically. Because uh, it's good to get a different view other than uh, the White House press secretary. <laughs> so I, I do appreciate you coming on, Bob. That's, that's not much.
1: A, that's not that's not a that's not a big hill to climb. But thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I just want to say, hey, ladies and gentlemen, take advantage of this. Go to DaveLovesTrading.com. dot com. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Have a good one.